Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech executive producer of social media here at the IQ and this podcast today will probably be the single most important episode of Tube Talk you will ever listen to so when you go through and you listen to this episode creators I need you to listen to it closely and if we say something that you don't understand you need to go back and re-listen to this podcast again because today we're going to talk about a YouTuber's worst nightmare basically the potential of your channel disappearing and how can it disappear overnight simple it gets hacked now this is something that we don't think about a lot but it's been happening more and more lately in the youtube space so i brought in a youtube educator youtuber himself cybersecurity expert our boy leron segay will be here in a moment to talk about how to protect your YouTube channel. This man is a bona fide expert. He just gave a talk at Vid Summit to the same effect, teaching creators how to protect their channel. And he was kind enough to come give me an hour of his time. Also, for added extra clarity, Leron does have a course for you to take to better learn how to protect your YouTube channel. So go down to the show notes, check out the link. And also, if you are interested in taking the course, be sure to use the promo code VidIQ at checkout to save yourself 20%. Now, let's bring Leron in here, and let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk, presented by VidIQ. And this week's guest is no stranger, uh, no stranger to the podcast. Actually, I believe he used to actually host this podcast at one point in time. He is a YouTube strategist, cybersecurity expert, YouTube educator, Mr. Leron Sege is back in the building. Hey, Leron, how you doing, sir? How are you doing? So good to be back on Tube Talk. I kind of miss my old home. You're doing a fantastic job. Love everything that we're doing. Just spreading the love, spreading the message, and just helping creators as much as possible. That's what we're all about. Absolutely, man. And I'm so glad to have you back here. I know how busy you are these days. So thank you for taking the time, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. So, Leron, me and you were recently down in Dallas, Texas for a little event called Vid Summit. Now, I think I've talked about Vid Summit on these podcasts. I think I just talked about it last week a little bit. But obviously, Vid Summit is a big conference where creators come together to give inside details about how they grew their business, their success stories, and different things like that. And you, sir, had a presentation at Vid Summit. And your presentation was all about creators protecting themselves and their YouTube channel from being hacked. One of the phrases that you used in the presentation that I will never forget because it's something that I see all the time is you said something up to the extent of people always say it will never be me. Right? Sure. They, they always think that it will never be them that get hacked. Can you please just give us a quick little uh, breakdown of why you laugh every time you see somebody or hear somebody say that it will never be me? Man, I laugh, but I secretly cry inside <laughs> at, the same, at the same time. Right. Um, you know, I, I kind of sort of joked on stage when I gave my talk about YouTube security and how to protect your channel. 
and I kind of the, the joke that I'm going with is, oh, if I only had a dollar every time somebody said to me, I will never fall for that. Man, it'll be a, it's crazy. And what's crazy to me is just how many people think that, hey, I'm super smart. I'm security aware. I know what's going on. Um, even though I'm not geeky and I'm not techy, but like I will never fall for this kind of stuff. Uh, this breaks my heart a little bit because, guys, we all know that these cyber criminals, which is what they are, criminals, are out there for blood. They're out there for your channel. They're out there for your money. They want to take over your channel because they could sell it and make a lot of money. They could run Bitcoin scams and make a lot of money. And they really don't care the fact that you're getting hurt in that process. So when you say, I will never fall for it, um, recently, man, in September, MGM Resort got hacked. Ooh. That is a 34 billion, not million, billion with a B, $34 billion company. They have Ooh. all the tech, all the gear all the user training, they have all the policies in place right. and they still got hacked. Mm. But to make it worse, guess what? They got hacked in 10 minutes with a phone call because wow. of information that they gleaned from LinkedIn. Mm. Wow. So when we say it will never be me, I will never fall for that, I always refer back to these big cases of if such a big corporate gets hacked, what chance do we have as creators where it's not our top priority? Trust me, at a certain point, everybody gets attacked. You know, it's amazing that you say that because it makes perfect sense when you think about it. We are all human beings, and as such, we are all fallible, which means we are all prone to make mistakes, especially when it relates to our own security. Security right. often, as you know, comes at the cost of convenience. And there's nothing more, Liron, that we like more than convenience. But that is not security. Security is not convenient. So I think a lot of people and a lot of us are prone, or I should say are more prone to being happy because we want to be convenient. We want things to happen exactly. easier. Exactly. Um, something that we'll talk about later on in the podcast is when we go to different websites and we stay logged into the website because right. we don't want to have to log in time and time again. But by us staying logged into these websites, we are more prone to being hacked because right. we're leaving cookies on the table to be taken. And we'll talk about that later on. But I want to start, Leron, at the creator level because I think that's, that's the majority of the, our audience here. Yep. So in your opinion, and I think I have, I have a thought about this, but I'm just curious to get your take. What is the easiest way that you've seen a creator or a YouTube channel get hacked? It goes back to what you were saying. Humans are fallible, right? Mm -hmm. The reason that the cyber criminals work and the reason that they send out millions and millions of spam emails every single day and millions and millions of phishing emails every single day because they've got to catch one person in an unfocused situation and to click on one link. So you're on the way to the bank, you you know, there's an issue, you're picking up your kid from school and the baby's screaming in the back and there's 17 mothers behind you in their SUVs hooting, kind of wanting you to get out the way. Um, you know, you're on the way to that super important meeting that you've been presenting, ready to present and everything's on your mind and you get this alert on your phone. Things that just happen to us in day-to-day -day life. 
and they want to take advantage of that. So what's the single biggest way that creators are getting hacked? Is just that. They're just being unfocused. And typically, as creators, hackers know that what the way that we work, they know our world, they've studied our world. What do most creators want is brand deals, right? Mm -hmm. We all want those lovely sponsorship deals, whether you're just starting out or whether you're an established creator. There's always that way that I want to work with my favorite brand. And they know this. So the first place that they start is they send you a lovely email, looks absolutely legit. That looks like it comes from a brand that naturally will fit into your channel. Now, gone are those days in the olden days, and by olden days, I mean a year ago, <laughs> that, that you get this very badly worded email and you immediately go delete. And those are the days that a you know that would kind of offer you this weird sponsorship that would never fit your channel, although we still get a lot of that. Right. Um, you know, I got offered a makeup deal the other day. Like, do I need a makeup deal on a technology Ooh. channel? Probably not. Um, <laughs> But they are now able to look at your channel, look at your content, identify the brands that would possibly be a good fit, identify those videos that you marked as as sponsored, and then they reach out as if they are that sponsors. So, hey, loved working with, hey, Viper, love the thing that you did with that phone. You know, we were really glad to work together about a year ago. We, we now have big budgets for our new campaign. Can we start talking? And here's the beauty, and I say beauty in the weirdest possible way, (laughs) they have time. So they will send you the first email and the email is not dodgy. There's no links. There's nothing to click on. There's no malware. There's nothing attached. And they'll say to you, hey, Vibe, we worked on that deal. Hey, we've got some budget. Can we talk again? And of course you do. So you reply because there's nothing weird. There's no red flags. And you, they'll go back and forth a couple of times until they say, Okay, we're ready to pull the trigger. We accept your rates. Let me send you over the contract. Now, again, Vapa, you know, when you work with a brand, you'd never started an engagement until you got that piece of paper that you digitally signed, right? right? Because otherwise, you know, things go weird. Mm -hmm. So this is normal. It's normal for us. And we wait for that agreement. Once we get that agreement, that is the first downloadable thing that they do and now you've already built rapport with them, you've built trust, your email doesn't mark them as spam because you've had correspondence back and forth, and all of a sudden, you've just got hacked without realizing it. Mm. It's great, right? Wow. So you're, what you're saying is that the hackers are willing to go in-depth into it. They are willing to go back and forth with you via email until they gain your trust, and then they send that first downloadable link, and then it's a wrap. Uh, and just to kind of really put an emphasis on it, if the channel is big enough, they will get onto a Zoom call. How crazy is that? Wow. They take it to that level of having a Zoom call. And in that Zoom call, there's three or four people, and one of them is the brand ambassador, and one of them is in charge of marketing, and one of them is a social media manager. Man, that looks legit. I have got screenshots and of people going through this. How much more of trust can you build than you've not spoken face to face? Yep. Okay. I want to go a little deeper into it because and you're smarter than me, but as I understand it, it's a little bit more involved than just me clicking a link. Correct. So if I click the link, 
but I don't give them any information because sometimes, you know, when you click, click a link, it'll take you to a document where they want you to fill out some information, different things like that, get your name, phone number, or whatever. If I click the link, but I don't fill out any information, I like, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't smell right. And I back out and I just exit out. Then I'm not in danger, right? Because I didn't do anything once I engaged with the link. Uh, no. No. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and this is important. And that's why I'm glad we're having the conversation. Yeah. So let's take it back two steps, right? Okay. Um, we know that to log into our Gmail account, we need a username and password. Okay, right. That's standard practice. By now, people should know that a complicated password, uppercase, lowercase, with a symbol, and ideally 12 characters or long, that should be your password. Nothing that's guessable, nothing that's in a dictionary, nothing that somebody can look up. Um, super complicated password is going to take somebody hundred, you know, hundreds of years to decode. They're not going to bother with you. They're going to move on to the next person. So username, complicated password. And then we've got this thing called a two-factor authentication, right? Mm -hmm. Two-factor authentication, this could be an SMS where you log into a Google account. It sends you a text message to verify the code. You put that in and it allows you in. Or it sends you an email with a certain code. You put that in and it allows you to, it allows you to, car to carry on and log into your account. That's dangerous. Okay. So let me let's, before we get on to answer your question, let's just talk about that. Two-factor authentication, just by using an email or a text message, is not good two-factor authentication. So right. not all 2FAs are the same. Why? Because... If I've got your username and password, I've got into your email. If I got into your email, I simply can get that verification code. So we haven't really done anything. Mm -hmm. um, using it via a text message, yes, that's more complicated because I've got to get your SIM. I've got to get somebody on the inside of the company to SIM swap, which basically means I get your number and therefore I receive the text message. Not impossible. Definitely ways of doing it. It cost $4.99 to do that, just if you're interested. So they're not super expensive either. Um, so what is the right way? Well, the right way is either using a physical hardware key, like a UB key, right, or using some, well, not or, and using a backup, which is something like Google Authenticator or a program called Authy. Right. What does that mean? It means it lives on your phone. You log into your account, it looks, it needs a certain set of numbers, which only your Google Authenticator has. You punch those in, it allows you access. If you're using a physical key, as soon as you put in your username and password, you put in the little physical key into the USB port, or you scan it on your phone because it's NFC, and then it allows you in. So now us as creators are thinking, man, if we've got a UB key and we've got Google Authenticator, we are solid. Doesn't matter that somebody has a username and password, they're not going to be able to get in. And that's a big mistake. Why? Because going back to your question, I'm bringing it full circle. We'll get there. <laughs> um, the reason that is, that is not the right answer is because when somebody gets a dodgy contract in inverted commas, they click on that and it's a PDF. And you double click and nothing happens. The PDF doesn't even open. So you think to yourself, oh, well, corrupt PDF. I'll just reply to the brand, get them to resend it, right? Well, that's the genius part. What actually happens is that when you double click on that PDF, it actually runs malware, 
mm. which steals the cookies from your browser and sends it over to them. And now they can use that to get around two-factor authentication. Mm. So now they have your username and password. They also got your two-factor authentication. And in fact, they don't need anything because the way we describe it is, like you mentioned earlier, you go to a website, you don't log into Gmail every time you go into Gmail, right? It just knows that you should be there. Just like you don't log into your YouTube studio every time because you've logged in once, it kind of knows that you're there. And we have many websites where you tick a little box saying, hey, remember me, don't ask me to log in every single time, it's irritating. Right. Well, that's what happens. It's called an authentication token and a session token. And that bit of that bit of files are essentially saved on your computer. If I can grab those files from you and put them on my computer, well, Google doesn't know that it's not you using my computer, and therefore it just lets me straight in. Doesn't ask me for a username, doesn't ask me for a password, and doesn't ask me for two-factor authentication. It's not Google's fault. It's just the way that these browsers are built and exactly what you're saying. The balance between convenience and security, well, we're choosing convenience because none of us want to relog back every single time. And that's how they get around two-factor authentication. So going back to the question that I asked, if, I, if I'm in an email with a hacker, obviously not knowing that I'm being hacked or, mm -hmm. or hacking attempt is being made, I click on a link. I don't feel right about the link. I back out of it. It does not matter. Once I double-click on the link, I am compromised at that point. So we got to distinguish between a link and an attached file. Right. I'm talking yeah. about I'm not a link, not an attached file. A, a link, it will take you to a website. Right. And that website could be a phishing website. Right. Um, in which case, if you look at that site, technically, if you've got an antivirus and you've got all the right things on your computer, if you just open that website, the odds of something happening at that stage are pretty slim. Okay. So yeah, what I'm talking about is the natural link. I'm not yes. talking about an attached file because like you said, an attached file is a different matter entirely. Correct. Correct. Um, I am, in my opinion, I don't think creators should be ever opening an attached file from any email 100%, ever. Hundred percent. Like that's that's crazy. That that, that, that is the way to get <laughs> immediately. Like don't do it. So um, and on on that kind of a tip on that, if you're ever working with a brand and they're sending you an attachment as a PDF or a MP4 because hey, here are the assets you should be using in the video especially, okay, this is critical, especially if those things are in a zip file that requires a password, do not, not open, open it. it, okay? Yeah. Critical for everyone to understand, that is the fastest way to get infected because a password-protected zip file, it means that your antivirus on your computer is going to ignore it, especially because those files are typically pretty large by default because they want to get around your quick scanning, you know, every time you open an email, right. your antivirus does a, a quick scan. Those files are 700, 800 megabytes in size. Mm -hmm. Your uh, your antivirus on your computer says, okay, when you open it, I'll have a look at it. But then it's too late. So to your point, if you get a zip file that has a password, never, ever open it. The way you get around that is you reply back to the brand and you say, hey, thank you very much. Can you put this in an unzipped format on Google Drive or Dropbox or any of those cloud sharing platforms and share with me the link? Because Google's not going to host malware. 
So they're going to scan those files and they do a pretty decent job in making sure those files don't have any malware. You now have a link. You click on that link. It's a Google Drive link. Odds are pretty good that if at that stage your antivirus didn't kick in, then it should just be normal. If that brand refuses and they say, no, it has to be a zip file with a password, walk away. Hey, no, run away. Run away. Yeah. <laughs> run away. Run <Yeah>. away. <laughs> That's true. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's competitors tool. Checking in on what your competition is doing can be a great way to keep up with trends in your area of expertise. If you have vidIQ installed, you can find this tool on the left-hand sidebar within the YouTube studio, and from there you can begin adding channels as your competitors. I like to select a range of channels, from the ones that I find to be the leading voices in my niche, all the way down to channels that get similar views to my own. The way that this helps me personally is that I can start to actually detect patterns in the types of videos that my competitors are releasing, which helps me discover some fresh ideas that are already proven to be working. The vidIQ extension works in both Chrome and Firefox browsers, and you can download it for free at vidIQ.com. All right, I want to go back to the email. Yes. Because a lot of times, Leron, I get emails, or some, I won't say a lot, but sometimes I get emails that look legit, but... I've, I've, I'm, I've been in IT a while, so I'm kind of cautious as to the emails that I get. And I look at the email address, and it says such and such and such at dot .zz, yeah. and I delete it immediately. So what are other ways, that, what are other things that we can do as creators to like just to check and make sure that the emails are above board? Yeah, so great. It's, it's a great question. Um, firstly, if it's at gmail.com, I wouldn't say immediately to kind of delete it because at the end of the day, there are still many people who use a Gmail address. But be super cautious that a Gmail address, this is a big brand. Why would a big brand be using a Gmail? That kind of doesn't make sense. Right. Um, so if it's a Gmail, I'm already kind of very, very skeptical. Any other domain that looks weird, the biggest thing I can say is look at that domain. So it's whatever is after the at sign. So mm -hmm. it will be the person's name at blah, 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 dot CZ or CZ, however you guys say that. <laughs> you take that and you go into Uncle Google and you simply paste that domain in there and do a search. See what other results you get on there. If you see something like, hey, get your free email service here with the, oh, that's like having a free Gmail service. Odds are pretty good that this is going to be, is going to be scammed. There is a great website called Virus Total. I think it's virustotal.com, but we can we can look that up. And you simply go to Virus Total, you put that domain in there, and it will start looking up to see if it's been reported as being dodgy. So before you even start going down into that email, if you look at that email address, that's the first place to start. Um, a couple of other quick little little pro tips. Obviously, look out for grammar and spelling mistakes. But right. with ChatGTP, I've literally done this. I've gone into ChatGTP and say, write me a phishing email. And it did. Mm. So just be careful. It's not always an exact way, science, to know that if it's badly written, it was written by machine. Um, th those are the things to look out for. Obviously, if they have a company name, um, you can Google that. If they've got a telephone number, that's another one. If they've got a telephone number that's written on there, Google that number. Did other people encounter that number? Did they report that as suspicious? Just kind of being smart about it. But the most important thing is 
don't be emotional at this stage. Like, oh my God, brand wants to work with me. And the email's worded so nicely. Like, hey, we identify you as a top creator. It's like pat on the back. Hey, I'm doing a good job. We've had a board meeting. Oh, board meeting sounds fancy. You know, <laughs> we, we recognize you for an upcoming marketing campaign. We have a sizable budget. Oh, money now. Now you're thinking that. Then you stop thinking because now you think boardroom meeting, big budget. They've identified me. This is going to be epic. And that's what exactly what they're hoping that will happen. So just be unemotional. It's just an email. Skim through it. Does this kind of make sense? And then kind of take it from there. Okay. I want to think on email. I'm, and I'm reading why I'm thinking yeah. on email because email is like probably the easiest and most important thing that creators should understand as it relates to not getting their channel hacked. But I put out a tweet on the vidIQ Twitter account today uh, that said something to the effect of the email that you use to sign into your YouTube account should never be public anywhere else on the internet. Yep. And I need you to explain to my listener why this is so important. I, I've done it, but <laughs> they need to hear from a cybersecurity expert. Why should that email be private? Very simple. It's if I have your email address that you use for your day-to-day communication, and it's the same email that you used to log into your channel, brilliant. You've just made my life as a hacker so simple because I'm just going to keep attacking you. I'm going to keep fishing you. I'm going to use different techniques because at one point, you are going to do something you shouldn't do. And now I have your email, so I know what to attack. Now think about it. If that email on your channel is super private, you've never used it to register with an online form, you've never used it to make reservations, you've never booked any software audits, you have... It, it, for all intents and purposes, that email doesn't exist to the rest of the world. It's something weird. It doesn't even have to do anything with your channel. So yours could be butterfly32 at gmail.com. Like nobody's going to associate that with you. If that is the case, well, what do I attack? Me as the hacker, I don't know what the email is that, that you use to log into your channel. I'm going to have to use so many different techniques to try to social engineer that out of you, to try and manipulate you into revealing that, that you've just made my life so much harder. And guess what? Hackers are lazy by and large. <laughs> They're going to go after the easiest target. If you've just made my life so much harder, I've got 900,000 other channels I can attack. I'm just going to go for the next one. So critical. You never, ever, 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 oh, and ever, Never. Use the email for your YouTube channel for absolutely anything. anything. You do not unsubscribe. You do not reply. You do not opt out. That email is a dead mailbox for all intents and purposes. Boom. That's it, y'all. <laughs> it only has one function, one purpose. If anybody else emails that email for anything else, ignore it. Don't even mess with it. Exactly oh. that. Exactly okay. that. Okay. So... I want to get deeper into the actual hack itself because on YouTube anyway, when I see a channel has been hacked, usually I see that the channel name has been changed. Mm -hmm. Usually there might be a live stream running of uh, a crypto uh, thing yep. going on, or maybe it's an interview with Elon Musk. That, that seems to be a big thing with Tesla interview going on on each channel. But can you please explain to our listeners, Leron, what else happens or could happen when your channel gets hacked? Because it's so much bigger than just your channel name changing and, and your video potentially being deleted and whatnot. Yeah, it, it's 
I'm afraid the troubles only begins once you restore your channel. So here's what I mean. Yeah. To be clear, if you have a channel that got hacked, you reach out to YouTube and you prove to them that you're the channel owner, they will work with you to restore your channel. I have only seen in a handful of times where this doesn't happen. Right? YouTube wants to get you your channel back to the rightful owner. They're going to kick the hackers out of your channel. That is not the problem. Here is the problem. The problem is what happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you've been grinding. You've been uploading. You've been watching VidIQ stuff. You've been analyzing your data. You've been doing everything you're supposed to to grow your channel. And, man, it's working. You're starting to make an income or you're making a decent income. This is now your business. You're a YouTuber. You got a vid summit. You proudly wear the badge. You talk to everyone. This is the life. And just like that, it gets taken away from you. Because what happens is that after a channel gets hacked, YouTube will restore your channel. However, think about it. Now, all your videos that the hacker has made unlisted or private or deleted and now YouTube has restored them. Even though you've got a whole bunch of subscribers, are they going to go back and rewatch those videos? Probably not. And now your real-time views that used to be a certain amount and it's really pumping out there, just tanks. Because now there's no there's, all that data is lost. All that momentum is lost. YouTube, I'm not going to say resets your channel, because that's a bit extreme, but... I look at it as if you're relaunching a new channel just with a whole bunch of subscribers and hopefully some of them have their notification. At VidSummit, I actually showed a case study of somebody who had their channel hacked in December. It was a money spinner for them. A channel was heading to a million subscribers. They were at 880 odd thousand subscribers and they were uploading. They were getting great engagement, great results. Their channel got hacked. Fast forward 10 months later, they've stopped uploading to YouTube because it was pointless. Mm -hmm. They fired their entire team, production team, because what they couldn't afford it anymore. It just wasn't financially viable. Wow. So imagine this, Viper. You've been working all those years. It's right at the top, and now you have to restart again just because of something that happened. That is ridiculously scary, heart-wrenching. I know someone who's lost a house. I know people who had to fire their teams. I know someone who had to go get a quote unquote real job because everything just stopped and they weren't prepared and they're not able to recover. They didn't have any other source of income because everything was reliant on their channel. And now, man, that's gone. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The other thing that you didn't mention is that the hacker, when they hack your channel, they get access to your assets too. They, well, yes. So if you've got the, if everything's obviously linked together, it's not straightforward. In other words, it's not because they've got access to the one, they'll automatically have access to another. Okay. But we all know that most of us, we use the same Gmail address for both the YouTube channel and the same Gmail address for AdSense. Mm -hmm. So you're right. If they access the one, if you use the same username and password to get into the other, and you don't have two-factor authentication on, 
they'll simply rename that. They'll they'll take change the banking details. There's lots of ways for them to manipulate that. Uh, I, I dealt with a case recently of someone's AdSense account that got hacked, and the hackers were so smart because they changed the banking details only at the time where YouTube typically pays out. And as soon as they got paid out, they changed it back. So for two or three months, this creator was going back and forth with YouTube saying, hey, I never got paid. And YouTube says, yes, you did. And eventually we kind of worked out that it was paid, but into the hacker's bank account. The catch is YouTube's not going to go, oh, whoopsie, now let's reimburse you all those payments. That right. money is gone. Gone. Yep. Gone. It, it's, you know, the reason I take security that serious, I mean, you know, you and I have worked together many, many years. Um, I used to deal with a lot of the creators and the strategy and the back end stuff. And I was actually horrified. It's not the creator's fault. I mean, us as creators, let's be honest, we'd rather spend a whole bunch of hours analyzing data, scripting new videos, going out there to shoot, edit. That's where our passion is. Our passion is not in the geek stuff. Right. We're, not gonna, we're never going to spend four hours analyzing the latest security vulnerability of the router. Like, it's not our thing. And the problem is even the big creators, they feel the same as same passion for creating content as the new up-and-comers. They, they just want to make good content. So security, unfortunately, just goes way down that priority list. But it takes one slip up, and all those years are gone. Those work is gone. Your income is gone. I, I'm not trying to sign the alarmist. I have just dealt with so many cases where this has been the case. And it's most, well, in some cases, it's just unrecoverable. And yeah. people rely on their income for their income. They're not like they've got three or four other jobs going. And if that's the case, after a couple of months, you've got to be realistic and give it up. Start getting a job, but then redo your channel from scratch. To Ron point, some of the biggest entities out there have been had. He talked about MGN at the beginning of the podcast, but bringing it back to YouTube, mm-hmm. some of my friends have been hacked. Um, John Prosser from Front Page Tech channel got hacked a year ago. Linus Tech Tip just got hacked not long. That was the second time he got hacked. That wasn't even the first time he got hacked. He got to hacked again. So if these big creators can't get hacked, anybody can get hacked, which is why a podcast like this particular episode is so important to listen to and maybe listen to more than once so you can understand how to best protect yourself because it's easier for you to be hacked than what you might think. And as Leron highlighted, these hackers have so many ways to get around security and 2FA and email that you got to be protective and take uh, protective measures to make sure that you're you are safeguarding against getting hacked. So please listen to this podcast and listen to it again and again, just so you understand the basics of protecting yourself and your channel from being hacked. Yeah, and Viper, to, your, to the point is, I think the names that you've just mentioned there are tech channels. Tech channels, yeah. There are geeks. Right. They love this stuff. And they yep. still got hacked. Yep. Because it's not their fault. And, and I think that's important to mention that for every one of those people that we know that got hacked, there are so many others that we just don't know about. People still feel ashamed. They think to themselves, I'm stupid. I clicked on that link. It's my fault. And that is absolutely not the case. These hackers are so smart and are so manipulative that they want to get around your defenses. And in most times, they're able to. But it's certainly not your fault. 
and we have to take steps to prevent this from happening because it's just getting worse. It's not getting better. And YouTube is doing everything that it can because it's given us two-factor authentication. But it's the same thing, Vapa. If I if I had drive, I don't know, let's name a car or a BMW, and I leave the keys to the car on the hood of the car, and somebody picks up the keys, unlocks the car, and drives away, it's not BMW's fault. It's me being careless, and yep. therefore that's how they got in. Right. That is what's happening now. In all the cases that I've worked with, all the channels that I've worked with, I would say in 93% of those cases, it was just a setting. It was just an issue. It was something so simple to fix. And had they done this before, none of this trouble would have happened. But people wait till it's too late. It's not sexy. It's not how to get another 10,000 subscribers. So we tend to ignore this. But what's the point of building an entire empire for somebody to be able to literally push a button and get that taken away from us? It is super scary. Very. So now I want to talk about protecting yourself in public because you did a very interesting experiment at Vin Summit. Our boy Leron here walked around Vin Summit with a particular backpack. So I want you to talk to us about what was in the backpack and what were the results of what you were carrying in your backpack at Vin Summit. <laughs> Man, that that backpack just became a repellent. <laughs> Every time somebody saw me with that backpack, they put their phones back in their rooms. Um, it, it, it wasn't good for my social uh, social anxiety there. Um, so but the, that was exactly the point. And Vipa, I keep going back to the whole it will never happen to me situation, right? To prove the point, what I did was in my backpack, I have got a special device I don't want to name it yet because I know some is going to Google that and go get themselves into legal trouble. So I'm not going to do that. But in there, there was a special device. Um, and what that device did is that it created a hotspot. And it created a hotspot, which I specifically named something that will be super appealing to people attending this event. And the reason I did that is because Viper, we know when we get together in a big, large group, 3,000 people, the internet sucks. Our phones is not able to connect. The towers are overloaded. So what do we do? We we hop onto the Wi-Fi. And here is a free, fast Wi-Fi. Oh, that looks interesting. And I'm going to connect to that. So my device became a hotspot. It became a hotspot that gave you connectivity. When you connected, man, you got online. It was super fast as well. Definitely faster than the hotel's Wi-Fi or the (laughs) event's Wi-Fi. Right. So it looked like it was a great service. And people connected. What they didn't know is because they connected to me and not to the event, I could now do something called a man-in-the-middle attack. Mm. That means I could, if I wanted to, for the record, I didn't. I just want to put it out there. <laughs> but if I wanted to, I could have run a whole bunch of programs to be able to see exactly what they're doing online. I could spy on their traffic. And even though we have this thing called SSL, you know, you got the little padlock next to every website saying right. it's secure. I could fool any device that connects to my hotspot thinking they're on a secure website where in fact they're not. Ooh. And therefore, I would be able to see your username and password. And Viper, out of that, I was only walking around with us for maybe two hours or so, give or take. And out of those two hours, I had 
110 YouTube creators Ooh. connect to this dodgy hotspot. Wow. And they had no, no idea. idea. Mm. That is the danger of it will not happen to me. You know, it's funny when you reached that part in your presentation and you told the room that you had a hundred of my people compromised already. They were like, we were all like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wow. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was a collective gas in the room because there were probably people in that room who were compromised themselves. It, 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 phone switched off quicker <laughs> than when you get into airplane mode on a plane. <laughs> That's all I can say. All right. So then go to what I was trying to get into when I say being out in public. And it's also kind of kind of circles back to a YouTuber because sometimes we're out in public with our phones and we might connect to a public hotspot. But you have to be very careful when you are trying to connect to a public hotspot. You need to make sure that you trust that hotspot or trust that, that Wi-Fi situation or whatever. Also, um, can you talk to us a little bit, uh, Leron, talk to us a little bit about VPNs and why VPN can yeah. kind of help protect? So a couple of things. Um, firstly, my little device, I could actually do something that will look at your phone and say, hey, what networks are you normally used to connect to and get that information, which means I could name my device as Google's, Google Starbucks, LAX Airport, you know, all the popular places where people tend to connect. So I've got a whole video on my channel, which I show how I actually do that. When you leave home, Switch off the Wi-Fi. There's no reason for that to be on. If mm. your phone does something called auto-connect, you know, when you walk into home, it recognizes your home, and now you're connected. That's great for home. But when you're out there, and if the Wi-Fi is not secure, I could actually compromise your device. I could get you to connect to me. So switch your Wi-Fi off when you leave the house. No reason for it to be on. If you do need to connect to a hotspot, use your phone as a hotspot. Yeah. If your computer needs a hotspot, use your phone. It's very, 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 very difficult to be able to capture that information. That is probably one of the safest ways to get data on the go. Have a SIM card. You can even have one of these mobile little hotspot devices if you don't want to use your phone. But ideally, you need to be able to do that. Try not to connect to any of those public Wi-Fis because I could name my, my Wi-Fi the same as the airports, the Starbucks, wherever I happen to be. So don't do that. Look out for duplicate Wi-Fi names. Mm. Why is there Google Starbucks, Google Starbucks, Google Starbucks, Google Starbucks? Yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense. There should be one. Well, 50% chance of me getting your stuff is better than no chance, so I'm going to connect, call it Google Starbucks and try and get your information that way. And... Yes, use a VPN, but here's the big but. If I connect, you know, when you go to a coffee shop and the first thing it does, it opens up this little portal or you go to a hotel and it wants you to put in your room number and your last name before it allows you to go in, online, right? Well, I could create that web page. So now you think you're connecting to the hotel's Wi-Fi, but you've now given me your name and your room number. And I could ask you for other details. I could ask you for your email address as well. And if you use the same email for your YouTube channel as your day-to-day -day communication, well, you can see where the trouble begins. Hmm. So yeah. a VPN will not protect you against that. 
Right. Oh, okay. So it will only protect the data as it's traveling between your device and whichever server you happen to be going on. But if someone like me is in the middle of that, I can get around some of, not everything, I can get around some of that technology and get and get your information. But so to recap, switch your Wi-Fi off if you don't need it. If you do need it, make yourself the hotspot, connect to yourself and absolutely use a VPN. Just know that VPN, like two-factor authentication, is not bulletproof. It's not 100% safe. Yep. Amazing advice, man. So is there anything that you feel we should touch on that we have not touched on yet? You mean, your question is, have we scared people enough that they need to do something like ASAP? <laughs> I, I, I think we have enough to go on where it's just those golden rules of be smart, don't get emotionally attached. Like, um, as bad as it is to say, just be suspicious. Assume people are trying to get into your stuff. Um, because if you let your guard down just once, unfortunately, this is where the this is it's game over. I mean, oh, that's okay. just no way of no other way of saying it. So my mission in life is to help as many creators as I can and get them to understand how serious this is. It's a business. It's not a YouTube channel. It's our business. We have livelihood that depends on our channel. We don't want to be caught kind of doing something silly that we shouldn't have, and then everything is literally gone. Definitely. I have one more question though. Yes. So sometimes uh, I have two-factor authentication enabled for when I'm signing into Google via uh, iPhone or, or tablet or whatever. And one of the options sometimes is to tap yes on my phone or tablet. So it's actually using my physical pixel yes. or iPhone as an authentication method. Yes. Um, in your opinion, is that good, bad, safe, yeah. not safe? It's essentially, what that is, it's like having that physical UB key. Mm -hmm. um, all that YubiKey is, it's a physical device that you need to have with you right. to confirm that you're allowed in. By you having to say yes on another device, it basically does the same thing. It says, I've got this device. This device just became my YubiKey in inverted commas. And then you say, yes, okay. Um, is that my first preference? No, I like the physical, the physical key. Um, is it better than having SMS, text messaging, or email? Absolutely. Gotcha. So, actually, you know what? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about YubiKey. I I have a Google Titan security key yeah, uh, around here, but obviously, like you said, there's a YubiCode that has YubiKey. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the hardware keys and and to your point, why they are so important. Because I think you mentioned it earlier, right? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult for a hacker to hack you when they need that physical key. And uh, oh, yep. hello, I have it. You don't. A hundred percent. So, um. What it does, it just offers another layer of protection because you need to physically have it and plug it into the computer. I like the YubiKey, um, the one that you mentioned, the Google Titan key, absolutely fine. There's a whole bunch of them that are out there. As long as you're buying from a reputable dealer, a reputable company, you, you, you're good to go. But essentially, I have three keys. I have a key that I, is next to my computer. I have a key that's in my travel bag. And then I have a key that's locked up in my safe. And the reason for it is because you can use the same key, the same UB key for multiple things. So you can use it for my Gmail, you can use it for Instagram, Facebook, you can use it for your banking, if it's supported. Any system that supports a physical hardware key, you don't have to buy 3,000 different keys, right? The same key will work across multiple accounts. 
Right. And the reason that is so powerful is because even if I give you my username and password, you still can't log in because you need this UB key or this physical key to be able to get to get into whatever whatever system it is. Um, what we spoke about earlier about being able to bypass two-factor authentication, that means I was silly, I clicked on a link or I clicked on that zip file, I double-clicked on it, I opened it up, I put the password in, and I did something I shouldn't have. Now that you're aware of it and you're not going to do that, obviously, well, the YubiKey is absolutely one of those golden things that we should all have and have backups and have them locked in a safe. You just don't want to lock yourself out of your own accounts. Create something called a backup code. I think it's important to mention that as well. So you have a one-time code that in case you cannot find your key for whatever reason, or you've been, you're out somewhere and you're in a different country and it now asks you to log back in and you didn't have your travel key with you, there is this option of a one-time code. So you're not locked out of your own account. But if you take those precautions, man, you're going to be just that much harder. Not impossible, but that much harder that they're just going to skip you and just go to the next person. Definitely. So if the people who listen to the podcast once, twice, and they still can't wrap their heads around security and how important it is, word on the street, Leron, is that you <laughs> offer a court for people to protect themselves. Yeah, man. Um, I wasn't going to do one. Um, I was just working with my clients, very happy to kind of help them. And one of my clients actually said, look, you've just saved our channel. Why can you not do this for a lot of other people? And that got me thinking that there must be something out there in the cybersecurity world to help creators. But unfortunately, there isn't any. So I figured, well, I know YouTubers. I'm a YouTuber myself. <laughs> Let me just put it together. So what I did is I have a YouTube security course for creators. It is not geeky. It is not technical. It is a step-by-step -step instruction of how to protect your channel so that you don't lose your income, you keep hackers out, and you're able to literally just go back and focusing on making the great content that you're making without worrying that one day you're going to wake up and you're going to get that message on your phone saying, hey, your channel's been hacked. It will take us a couple of weeks to restore it. None of us want to be in that position. So it's a super simple course. You just go through it. I lead the course. You get downloadables. You get all that good stuff. And by the time you're done, you're going to be just that much more protective step by step and just making it simple. And if you guys are interested in taking that course, there will be a link in the show notes. So definitely go down there and check it out if you want to do that. Simple as that. Security for Creators is the website. Securityforcreators.com is the website. Uh, it's, it's all right there. I just, we just want as many people to be protected as possible. Absolutely. Leron Tege, absolute blast having you on the podcast, my dude. Thank you for making the time today. Appreciate you. For you, Viper, anytime, anytime. And Tube Talk, keep crushing it. You're doing good work helping as many creators as possible. Our missions are as aligned. And hey, love it, IQ, obviously. Duh. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. If you guys want to check out more Leron, I will have information in the show notes. So definitely go down there, check them out. I appreciate you guys listening to Tube Talk. You know your boy Viper will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by Vid IQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by Vid IQ. 
head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.